What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKinney, and this is Pop Culture Spotlight, a podcast about the movies, the art of self-defense, and on the basis of sex. But first, let's talk about the movie, The Art of Self-Defense, starring Jesse Eisenberg. Here's a quick synopsis of what the movie's about. Casey Davis is an accountant who is assaulted during a walk at night, and out of fear, he learns to defend himself by joining a karate dojo. But the karate dojo isn't quite what it seems. First off, I really love watching movies where I believe that this one actor is the only actor in the world that could have pulled this movie off. And this movie is the perfect combination of actor and movie. No one but Jesse Eisenberg has mastered the art of socially awkward characters. And Casey Davis is his best character he's played since he was in the movie The End of the Tour. I mean, he's so good at playing these characters who are like a deer in headlights. They are not used to their surroundings. And this character is not used to his surroundings being in this dojo. He is so out of place and out of touch. I think it's why Eisenberg isn't in a ton of movies. Yes, he is a movie star. We all know who Jesse Eisenberg is, but he doesn't work in every single movie he's in because he has to play this kind of character. It's unique to him, and it's what he's mastered. Imogen Poots is in this movie. She's an actress you've probably never heard of. She plays Anna, who is a red belt, who desperately wants to be promoted to a black belt at the Karate Dojo, where Casey Davis has joined She is so good in this movie. She has great chemistry with Jesse Eisenberg. I've seen her in a movie with Zac Efron, Michael B. Jordan, and Miles Teller called That Awkward Moment. Mackenzie Davis is also in that movie. This could not be a more different movie for Imogen Poots to be in. She is great in this movie, and I now think of her as a very good to great actress. Because you can tell Anna was once like Jesse Eisenberg's character Casey at one point. She joined this new world. She saw how great it was. She's a red belt. She wants to be a black belt, but she can't be promoted. She's seen the dark side of this new world that Casey thinks is awesome, that this karate dojo is great. But she knows, and she's trying to tell him, things are not always what they seem. Alessandro Nivola plays the character Sensei. He's the man who runs this dojo. He is kind of the villain in the movie. I'm not going to explain why, but it's nuts. He gets these like great monologues that at first seem so great but then in the middle of his monologue he'll say something ridiculously insane nuts like he's just so over the top bad guy but you can't understand that he's a bad guy because at first and at points in the movie he's acting like a good guy like it's it's one of the best movie villains that I've seen this year like he's kind of playing it as he's a control freak like this guy there's like we all know karate dojos are like no shoes on the thing no shoes on the mat like he enforces these rules he wants to betray himself as the master of the dojo the sensei you don't get a first name out of this guy you just know him as sensei in the movie he is the real villain of the movie but he's kind of a wimpy character and you really have to see the movie to understand why he's also convincing in that you can understand that this person could be a real life person that could convince somebody to join this karate dojo like he's a salesman he's 
portraying himself as a ruler, as an emperor, as a master, but in his heart to heart, he's a sleazy salesman, and you could understand why somebody would be sold by this person. Now I want to talk about the director and writer of this movie, Riley Stearns, because to me, what he's done here, he has written and directed one of the best satires I have ever seen. That is what this movie is. It is a satire on society and the relationship between men and women, and boy, does he do it brilliantly. The characters say absurd dialogue, but they play it straight. It does get dark at times, but it's so absurd and silly that it never loses the tone of where the movie's been. Like, you never start to take it too seriously. Like, there's this idea in this movie that Casey's character will become less wimpy and more strong. If he acts a certain way, he'll just be tougher, he'll seem tougher, and people will treat him like he's tough. It's not just about the learning of karate, it's about the way he acts. And rightfully so, he's kind of right, just acting a different way. Like, there's a scene where he puts on metal music, and there's a family that looks over to his car, and is like, okay, I'm kind of scared of this guy now. He's listening to metal music. As silly as that is, it's so honest and true that just by acting a certain way, you're afraid of certain people. Like, early on in the movie, Jesse Eisenberg's character is obsessed with work. He is the best friend to his boss. He is not a, a man's man, if you will. And th thus, his co-workers think he's lame. He's attacked in the street in the middle of the night. He's not a certain way. Then he starts acting another certain way, and they all treat him differently and start to respect him in a weird way. So for me, if this movie was all about the physical, like if this was just a movie about a guy learning karate and then learning to protect himself, I would find that boring. No offense to the karate kid. That's just not kind of a thing I want to see anymore. But because it's about the mental side of things, the way he acts, that's what the movie is to me. Just by acting a certain way, just by acting worse off to people, he is more frightened and he thinks he's more respected and more well off. I think that's an interesting thing, whether that's masculinity or just the way you act. I think that's fascinating that the movie goes into something like that. I also find an aspect of the movie that I find fascinating is that this idea of this character felt lost. So he was going to grab onto anything to change his lifestyle and it just happened to be this karate dojo like there's this scene where after he gets beaten up and he comes back from the hospital there are no messages on his phone of people who care about what's happened to him besides his boss and he's like wow no one really cares about me I need to act a different way to get people to care about my existence like this is how these kind of people turn out this way desperation to want to be cared about as a human being like, we're all like, why is this guy acting this way? Well, no one cares about his life at all, or at least he feels that way. Like, he just went through this traumatic experience and was thinking there's going to be, like, 50 messages on my phone about who cares about me. And then there was just one from his boss. So he thinks, I have to act a different certain way. I need a change of lifestyle, no matter what that is. And it just so happens to be this shady karate dojo. Like, if Casey, Jesse Eisenberg's character, had gone through that experience of being assaulted and then was shown a bunch of love by people who cared about him, he would not have turned to this dojo and acted a different way towards people. He would stay the same self. Yes, he would want to probably be more safe 
maybe learn karate, but he wouldn't change his entire lifestyle. Like the lifestyle change is about the way he felt like no one cared about him. Thus, he was willing to turn his entire life around. Yes, mostly based on fear, but also based on the fact that he wanted more people to care about him as a human being. And he thought acting a certain way, acting more manly, if you will, would get more people to care about him as a human being. It's interesting that masculinity was a way to get more people to care about him and being a nice person. Nobody really cared about him. That's a, that's a fascinating thing that the movie explores. I think if I were going to compare this to any movie, it would be Fight Club because I think the sensei character is weirdly the funnier, less cool version of Tyler Durden. Like he has this idea of masculinity and he's a cult leader the same way that Brad Pitt's character Tyler Durden was in a way. That would be a great double feature. Watch Fight Club and then watch The Art of Self-Defense. I also thought this movie had the perfect ending. It resolved Jesse Eisenberg's character's flaws and issues in a great way. And Imogen Poot's character, Anna, was really the hero of the ending. Like, I really enjoyed that ending. As nuts and insane as it was, I think it was the perfect ending for this dark, weird movie. I think The Art of Self-Defense is one of the most unique films that deals with a lot of topics like masculinity, being a member of a group, and what fear will drive you to do. I could not recommend The Art of Self-Defense more. Check out this movie. It is great. Jesse Eisenberg is great in it. Check out The Art of Self-Defense. Now let's switch gears and talk about the movie On the Basis of Sex starring Felicity Jones as Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Here's a quick synopsis of the movie. Lawyer Ruth Bader Ginsburg and her husband Martin take on cases to change the way courts view gender discrimination and try to make it unconstitutional to discriminate on the basis of sex. This is the type of movie that was better than I was thought it was going to be because it didn't get a lot of awards attention. It didn't make a boatload of money. It wasn't a blockbuster hit, but a lot of things in this movie I really liked. And at the top of the list is Felicity Jones as Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She is a movie star. She's been nominated for an Oscar. I don't care why we don't act like she's one of the biggest stars in the world. So here's her list of movies so far. You have The Theory of Everything with Eddie Redmayne, then you have Rogue One, and now you have this, then you have that movie The Aeronauts with Eddie Redmayne. She's one of the biggest movie stars in the world, and she just brings it time and time again. She's in about every scene of this movie, and she is really great in this movie. She was really great in The Theory of Everything, thus the Oscar nomination. She was really great in, guess what, Rogue One. She's the best thing in a Star Wars movie. I don't get why people are sleeping on Felicity Jones, but I needed to stop. She's one of the best actresses in the world. Period. End of discussion. One of the best. Movie star. If she's in the movie, I'm thinking the quality is going to be really good because time and time again, she has proved she is in quality movies. It's interesting that Army Hammer is in the movie because I feel the exact same way about him. Okay, Army Hammer broke out with the social network. Then he was in 
big blockbuster movies like The Lone Ranger, Mirror Mirror. He was in big studio movies. Now he's decided to stop being boring and to be a really good supporting actor in movies like Call Me By Your Name, Free to Bother You, and now On the Basis of Sex. Like he is making interesting acting choices. He is becoming interesting. And the world has basically forgotten about him. He has charisma. He was also in Nocturnal Animals. Like, he is making interesting acting choices now. And we, we disregard him because he's not in these big blockbuster movies. Like, pay attention to what Army Hammer is doing. He has insane chemistry with Felicity Jones in this movie. Then the rest of the supporting cast is also really good. You have Justin Theroux, Sam Watterson, Jack Rayner, Stephen Root, and Kathy Bates. Justin the row is the big surprise for me. I had never seen him in a non-comedy, and he really delivers a really good dramatic performance. His character is kind of on the side of Ruth in this movie, but then he's kind of on the opposite end because he doesn't know if she can pull it off, but then he comes full around like he's one of those characters, but I think he pulls it off quite nicely. Kathy Bates only gets one scene with Felicity Jones, but I thought that was a really great scene. Like, they have a great interaction. Sam Watterson, Jack Rayner, and Steven Root kind of play the villains of the movie. They're not villains in that old way of, like, they just don't want things to change. And if they lose this case to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, their entire lives will change, and their entire country could possibly change. They're just resistant to change. Like, that's a different kind of villain than somebody. Like, they're not against Ruth Bader Peter Ginsburg, the person. They're just against change. Like, I think those are the most interesting kind of villains in the movie. These are real-life people, first off. I mean, I just thought they were interesting. They brought something to the movie that was different than, like, this is a case against these people. We hate these people. You could see what they were talking about, even though they were dead wrong about what they were after, I guess. I don't think this movie is unique in a lot of ways, but one way it is unique is the mother-daughter relationship. Ruth Bader Ginsburg in this movie has a really interesting relationship with her teenage daughter that I don't think you see a lot of in movies. Like in Lady Bird, you see a contentious relationship between Saoirse Ronan's character and her mother. And it's a really great relationship, but it never quite gets better. It kind of does, but it doesn't. I think in this movie, you see... You see the contentious in the beginning, and then at the end, that relationship motivates both of them to be better human beings. Like, I thought that was something interesting that I had not quite seen in a movie that felt so real to me. Like, they were both annoyed by one another at one point, but then they saw themselves in action, and they were like, okay, I'm going to take the best thing about you, and I'm going to take the best thing about you, and... We're going to benefit each other. We're both going to improve ourselves. Like there's a scene where Ruth sees her daughter acting like an adult, acting like a new generation of a human, and that motivates her to be better during her case. Like I just thought that was something that was so real, that felt really special and different that you don't quite see in movies all the time. I think that was the one thing about this movie that was extremely unique. It's a courtroom drama. There's been a million of those. I've seen all of them. I've seen The Firm. I've seen a lot of them. We've seen courtroom dramas. What we haven't seen is a movie like this with a mother-daughter relationship as unique as this. And I think the movie had just the right amount of it. Like, I didn't need more of it. I didn't need less of it. I think it had enough of that 
mother-daughter dynamic that helped the story. It built the story. You were rooting for both of these characters. Ruth Bader Ginsburg was basically arguing, you might not change, you might not want change, but change has already happened. Look at my daughter. Like that was one of the best moments in a movie I've seen this year. I also thought it was great to see a movie about a husband supporting his wife and not the other way around. Again, that's a unique thing to this story. We've all seen legal dramas. We had not seen one with a female lawyer and this is based on a true story so they didn't have to fabricate how supportive he was it was an honest and real story and again i thought army hammer and felicity jones had insane chemistry and made this movie work if it weren't for these two i don't think this movie is quite as entertaining as it is i think the director of this movie mimi leader did the right thing not making it a biopic but focusing on one major case it's a decent court drama that shows you the beginning of an amazing career in law. Like, if you had focused this entire movie on the life and career of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you would spend way too much time. It would be a three-hour movie, and you would not get enough of it. I love these biopics, like the Steve Jobs movie, with Michael Fassbender, like Social Network with Jesse Eisenberg's Mark Zuckerberg that show little moments of someone's life and it shows why these people are important and why you should pay attention to them. I don't need to see Ruth Bader Ginsburg as a kid. I don't need to see her love of law and all that. I need to see what makes this person special. And I think this movie shows you what makes Ruth Bader Ginsburg special. The same way you saw why Steve Jobs was special. The same way you saw why Mark Zuckerberg was special. Too many times they try to pack everything into these movies and they're like, okay, here's Ruth Bader Ginsburg as a teen. Here she is as a kid. Here she is as an adult. And you lose track of what matters. This movie is specific and I think for the most part, it works. Those movies and this movie prove to you they need to show you why this person is worth making a movie about. And after seeing this movie, I fully understand why a movie about Ruth Bader Ginsburg works. Why a movie about Steve Jobs works. Why a movie about Mark Zuckerberg works. You can understand someone without seeing their entire life story. You get a glimpse of the person, and I think it makes you wonder about the rest of that person's life. It leaves the wonder without seeing the whole Ruth Bader Ginsburg story. Maybe I'll look it up online. Maybe I'll just wonder about what the rest of her life is like. I think it leaves that wonder. I think if you show too much of it, it becomes boring and dull and not exciting. This movie is a clear glimpse of a view of a small, specific moment of her life that made her the special person she is today. There's also this idea this movie that I think is kind of unique. This idea of old school thinking versus new school thinking and how change happens. This idea that change isn't just going to happen by waiting. You need to make change happen. I think that's a real very good idea that's very honest about what happened here. Like Ruth Gator Ginsburg could see her daughter was different than what she was and she was different than what her mom was. But the law was not going to change until someone made a change and no one was willing to do that up until that point. People for the most point do not change on their own. Like this idea that they were going to stop discriminating and giving out jobs on the basis of sex. Like there's so many scenes in this movie there for, for one instance there was a scene where Ruth Bader Ginsburg did not get a job because another woman worked at the law firm and the guy said the other lawyers wives would be jealous of her being there like that's an insane idea and that idea was never going to change
change unless Ruth Gator Ginsburg made it change. Somebody had to make it change. It wasn't going to change on its own. Like those lawyers had no reason to make it change on their own because they didn't want to make it change on their own. They wouldn't benefit from that change. The people that would benefit from the change the most needed to make it change. And that's exactly what she did. And there's also a great scene when her and her husband are arguing about whether or not she's already making a change by being a professor. And she's saying, I want to be there and benefit from the change. She doesn't just want it to change. She wants to be there and benefit from the change. I think that's such a real human moment. That was a great scene. She was like, yeah, I think it's going to change at some point. I'm teaching these people that this is wrong and at some point this is going to change. But I want to be there and I want to be responsible for the change. I want to benefit from the change. It's not selfish. It's just a human emotion. She wants to be there for the change. She wants to have this amazing law career, which she finally ends up doing. That is the best scene of this movie, them arguing. He's like, you are making a change. And she's like, no, I want to be there from the change and benefit from the change of life. That's such a real great moment in this movie. Again, I thought this movie was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Felicity Jones, Army Hammer, Insane Chemistry. Check out On the Basis of Sex. Thanks for listening to this edition of Pop Culture Spotlight. I'm Cameron McKinney. There'll be a new episode of the podcast every Thursday on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. This week, I put the spotlight on the movie The Art of Self-Defense and On the Basis of Sex. Next week, I'm putting the spotlight on the horror movie movie Midsommar starring Florence Pugh and the last black man in San Francisco. Tune into that and please rate, review, and subscribe.